turn to uh, Exodus 25 and verse 2. Exodus 25 and verse 2, in verse 1 it says, The Lord spoke to Moses saying, in verse 2, Tell the sons of Israel to raise a contribution for me from every man whose heart moves him. You shall raise my contribution. This, um, uh, Nicole and I were reading this this morning, and um, I think it's important for us to recognize that this should be our heart. This is where we should come from. Uh, we should have a heart that moves us to giving, that our heart is moved to be givers, to be cheerful and abundant givers, abounding givers. And um, it's interesting. I just I read that and I went, man, this is a giving heart right here. And um, then if you turn back a chapter or two into Exodus 23:15. It's uh, talking about the feast, and it talks about the feast of unleavened bread, but it just, I made a note to the side of it. It says this at the end of that verse, And none shall appear before me empty-handed. And I thought, wow. You know, how, how many times I think in our life have we done that? We've appeared before me empty-handed. And, and I'm not just talking about, you know, like money to give. How about if I've appeared before him empty-handed, like empty-hearted, like I'm not here to give my own, I just need you to give me something, you know, but I'm not really bringing myself, I'm just showing up, you know, checking a box by going to church, whatever, and uh, I just wrote out beside, this is the heartbeat of a giving heart, is to, to bring something to the Lord, to be a giver, this is the heartbeat of God. And you see this, This you got to understand that if God is looking to us and saying, hey, will you be this kind of giving person? And again, it's not just finances. It's being, that's your character, that's your nature. If that's a character in nature, who's it a character in nature from? And who is the one who is this perfectly? This is the heart of our Father. You, and if you look at it in this way, he doesn't want to appear in front of you empty-handed. And every time we gather, which kind of plays into tonight's message, every time we gather, God's not appearing in front of you empty-handed. God's not appearing in front of you without something to give. He's always, and we might not know what it is. We might not see it. But this is not just the heart that we should put on. This is the heart that we should put on because it is the heart that God has put on. Well, that, that goes two ways. That goes both ways, but not only from him to us, but from us to him as well. And it's meant to be the cycle of giving hearts, loving on each other, and giving back and forth between us and God. You know, there's a beauty. There's a beauty in that. Amen? Amen. So uh, every what we do is we pray for the uh, offering just that we receive it on behalf of God. And we say, look, let it be blessed and let it be multiplied. And so right now, even if people are watching online uh, um, and they're giving, um, I think Nicole always says there's a button. I think there's a button. And anyway, but it's uh, if you're giving, even if you're not here, if you ever do give, we pray over that offering. Because our job as a ministry is to receive that on behalf of God and then to pour it back in this sense. 
Lord, let that offering be blessed, multiplied, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give unto your lives. And so, Lord, we just ask that right now. Father, whatever is coming out of giving, whatever people are bringing as a giving heart to you tonight, Lord, we just ask in the name of Jesus, the name above every name, let it be blessed. Let it be multiplied, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Shall men give into their lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, well, we can go ahead. Let's turn to Matthew 24 and verse 33. And tonight, um, it's you know the night before Thanksgiving, and uh, we've got people traveling and all over the place and uh, but we knew that there would be some people that still wanted to have service as well, so that worked out well. And uh, sometimes we take a break. We just seek the Lord, and sometimes we don't. We just we let the Lord lead us. And But tonight uh, we're here, and in Matthew 24, 33, uh, what I've, what's been sitting on my heart a couple of weeks ago, y'all may know uh, Pastor Mike Medeiros is at uh, Highland Baptist. He and I are friends, and we were traveling at a field trip the other day. And we were talking about a verse of scripture that we'll get to, but it's talking about coming to that end of time as time comes to a close. And so tonight, and that's just been rolling over in my spirit, and I felt like we were supposed to talk about it tonight is uh, as time comes to a close. Now, what should we, should we be different as time comes to a close? Or maybe, you know, Ultimately, maybe we shouldn't be different. Maybe we should just make sure that certain things are a priority. You know, uh, sh we should definitely recognize the time. That's that would be a key. But let's look at this in Matthew 24 and verse 33. Jesus is speaking, and he says, "So you too, when you see all these things, recognize that he is near, right at the door." And what he's done, this whole chapter lays out some end time prophecy and has all, all of these uh, different markers that time is coming to a close. And then Jesus says, when you start seeing these things, know that the end is near and God is right at the door. I mean, his coming, Jesus' coming is right at the door. So don't be fooled by that. Well, we know that those things are happening right now. I mean, I have never seen more prophecy fulfilled about end times than it is right now. And matter of fact, it seems to be exponentially speeding up. Um, it's, it's going really fast. I'll put it to you this way. Uh, Rick Renner is a Greek scholar, and about uh, almost two years ago, it'll be two years ago in January, I believe. Maybe it was one year ago, but I think it was two years ago. He talked about uh, the end times. And he went to the verse that says, in the last days men will be lovers of self, you know, the scripture that talks about all that. And he went through and he broke that down in the original language in Greek. And I became convinced right there in that meeting, this is not a time that's coming, this is a time that we are in right now. We're not waiting on this at all. We are in the last, and that scripture actually doesn't just talk about the last days, you know, all right, here's all through time and here's the last days. That scripture actually talks about the last of the last days. So we're talking about, and that's what we're in. 
uh, when you go in that and you actually see what all of those Greek words mean, because he went through them and started breaking them down, I went, we're having that happen. Uh, we're in that. We're in that. And, and I really had revelation, and I went, oh, my goodness. I'm, we're not waiting on this. We're in it. You know, we are in that time. So Jesus says, look, recognize he's near. Then on down in verse 36, it says this. It says, But of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father alone. That specific day and hour. But you can recognize the signs and the seasons, but you won't. nobody knows the exact day or hour. No one knows but the Father alone. Verse 37, For the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they did not understand until the flood came and took them all away. So will the coming of the Son of Man be. There will be two men in the field. One will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one will be left. Therefore, be on the alert, for you do not know which day your Lord is coming. You don't know which day it is. But you can recognize when we start hitting the last days, and particularly the last of the last days, and I'm telling you, we're in that. And so we need to recognize that, and the reason we need to recognize that is our priorities need to amplify. You know, if ever there was a time for us to get our godliness in order and our godly priorities to amplify, it's in those last days. And this, this verse right here, verse 38, um, it says, For in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And so he's, he's making that equal to how it will be in the last days. And I remember, I, I think I, Nicole and I talked about this. I remember there was a, um, a commercial that came out last year. It was, I think it was during a football game or something. But it was basically an uh, alcohol company. And they had built a whole town, basically, or they had basically overtaken a town for a whole weekend of just partying. And they were just celebrating it and everything. And I mean, it just, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, man, those people are having fun in the flesh, but in the spirit, they're all about themselves. They're all about that party. And this verse just kept, every time I saw that commercial, I went, oh my goodness, for in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying, and giving in marriage. And that verse just kept running over and over and over in me. And I'm thinking, God, that's what we're doing as a society. We are in that right now. We're in that. And so we've got some things that we need to pay attention to. And um, I just, I, you may or may not have uh, ability where you're sitting at, but you're always welcome to go back to it at uh, boomerangchurch.org slash notes. And if you're actually walking, uh, watching on the website is right over there, unless you got the screen big, and then you can shrink it and then go right over there, okay? And it, the notes are up for uh, sermon notes are there to the right, but that way you can follow along 
Uh, if you got a tablet or something, you can pull it up. Uh, if you're on Facebook Live, go to boomerangchurch.org slash notes. Amen. Um, let's turn to Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27. And this sets the tone for a verse in chapter 10, but chapter 9, verse 27, as time comes to a close, verse 27 says this, 27 28 in the New Living, says, And just as each person is destined to die once, and after that comes the judgment, verse 28, so also Christ died once for all time as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. He will come again, not to deal with our sins, but to bring salvation to all who are eagerly waiting for him. So this sets the precedent. He's bringing that fullness of that salvation because as much as we want to be 100% whole in Christ right now, it says that one we see in a, as, through a glass darkly, it says that our body is not yet glorified. We will receive glorified bodies. You don't have that yet. No matter who you are, except for Christ has received his. But we haven't received ours. That's bringing the fullness of that salvation. Um, and we can tap into some of that now, just like David tapped into some of the mercy and the glory of God before the new covenant. We can tap into some of that healing where in uh, Romans 8, and 14, no, 11, where it says the same spirit that was in Christ that raised him from the dead dwells in you, then it will quicken your mortal body and bring it to life. That's where healing, one of the ways that healing really comes about. So there's things that we can tap into, but we still have a corrupted flesh while we're here on this earth. So Christ is bringing that fullness of salvation, but here's what he's saying. Look, he's coming. He's coming for those, and look at the words, to all who are eagerly waiting for him. Now let me just challenge you right here. Are you eagerly waiting for him? Are, you, are we eagerly waiting for him? Or are we just going through life? See, that kind of checks us, doesn't it? Wait a minute. Are we eagerly waiting or just going through life? But it says he's coming to those that are eagerly waiting for him, not just checking the box off of the calendar going through life. This is a big deal, I believe, because I think a lot of times we get swept up in the day-to-day -day activities, and we just, all of a sudden, we look back and five years have gone, ten years have gone, and we're not eagerly about the things of God. We're eagerly about paying our bills, spending time you know, with our family, different things like that. But God, a lot of times, I believe, takes a back seat in our eagerly awaiting of him. And this is a time where we want to make sure that, look, he is our priority. So that's set up in Hebrews 9. But then you, you move into chapter 10, and let's go to verse 23. So as... Time on the earth comes to a close, and we've already discussed that we are in the last of the last days. What do we put on? What do we make sure is a priority to us? So in verse 23, it says this. 
let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Now, what is he talking about, let us hold fast to our confession? Well, he's talking about holding fast to the confession of our salvation. In other words, don't let go of your salvation. That's what he's talking about. But we use this in multiple ways because we see that we can grab a hold of a confession of faith, like for healing, like I'm healed, and not let go of that. There's a principle here that we use in, in smaller areas. But in particular, the context started back there in chapter 9 that's talking about the ones that are eagerly awaiting you know, Christ's return. So right now, here he's saying, look, hold fast the confession. So there in chapter 9, it says eagerly waiting on Christ to return. Here it says, hold fast to the confession. And do you see that there's kind of some pro, a proactive nature in, in this wording? In other words, this is not just letting stuff happen to us. This is actively going after the things of God. Let us hold fast to these things. The confession of our hope. That means we've been talking about hope, a joyful, confident expectation. We need to put hope on in these last days. In this time, we need to make sure we put it on. We don't just let it happen to us. Well, I'll have hope you know, if I feel like having hope or if the preacher preaches a good message. No, 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 no. I'll put on hope because my Lord commanded me to do it. I'll put it on. It's proactive. It's not reactive. It's proactive. This is the heart that believers should have. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Why? Because he who promised is faithful. In other words, we can put on hope and have an expectation that hope is going to do what it, hope is supposed to do. It won't disappoint us, which is awesome. How many people would really like to get that and know that? I mean, we've heard it preached, but how many people would really like to get a hold of hope and have that as a source in their life? But see, if we don't put that on in these last days, if we don't you know, preach there's hope like we got it on the walls here, how are we actually going to be able to pass it on to somebody who needs it or a, a people that don't know him? How are we going to do that? So we need to be proactive about these things. We don't just need to be letting time slip us by. We're proactive about the things of God. And then it says in verse 24, And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. So what's the context again? The context is, in these last days, recognize it and be proactive about these things. Let us consider how to stimul stimulate one another to love and good deeds. That means I need to sit back proactively. I need to sit back and say intentionally, on purpose, how can I help Priscilla operate in more love and, and good godly deeds? How can I help Chris? How can I help Johnny and Holly? How can I help them? What can I do that will help them? In these last days, how I need to hold on to hope 
And I, I need to take some time and consider not just how am I going to live life or what do I need in my life, but how can I help the people in the body around me? And even people that aren't in the body to stimulate them to love and good deeds. This is, this is really proactive stuff. This is not sitting and letting stuff happen. This is a boldness in the things that God has told us about. This is a boldness in the promises. Remember, he who promised is faithful is what it says right before that. This is a courageousness in that, that stepping up into this stuff, not just letting it happen or pass over us, but it's, it's being uh, proactive, stepping into it. How can I do this? How can I do it? Stephen and I were talking earlier today about the fact that there's a lot of things that may go unnoticed by some people at times and they don't even recognize what you're doing. But yet if you can help that one person that will catch it and say, look at that, that's, that's real love right there. And even if a lot of people don't see what you're doing in love and they pass over that and even shun you because they don't understand, that does not make worldly logic sense. But it makes sense to the heart of God. And one person grabs a hold of that. Now we're stimulating people to the love that God's called them to be. How big is that? Oh, it's huge. You just changed a whole life, which then, in effect, should multiply itself into other people's lives. Can you see how, as a body of Christ, the, the universal church, can you see how... We've missed this because honestly, if this was happening, we would be in a different position. The world would look different, but it doesn't look different because as much as we want to say that we've done this, we haven't. You know, maybe individuals of us have done it, but as a body, we haven't, and and we need to step up. It let it's kind of like this. The Lord really challenged me on this. He, uh, you know, years ago, look, Brian, if nobody else does what, you, what needs to be done, then you do it. Don't, don't let everybody else's lack of doing those things be your excuse for not doing it because it's not like I'm not going to hold you liable to do the things I've told you to do because everybody else didn't do it around you. That stuff's in here, and it's in here for me. And even if I don't have anybody that will preach it to me, somebody already did. In this word. Amen. So let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. And then this verse, this is the one that really started this. Not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So this is a verse that people use all the time to go to church. You know, preachers use this to go to church. Well, let's not forsake it. You know, gathering together. I like that verse. That's a preacher. That's a good preacher verse right there. We really like this verse. Hebrews 10:25. Let's don't forsake it. But you got to remember, it's not the preacher who said this. The preacher might have quoted it, repeated it. But who, whose heart did that come out of? Yeah, straight through the Holy Spirit. 
And what he says is, don't forsake coming together. Why does he say not to forsake? And he goes on, the context is, you know, and some people, this is their habit. They, they skip it. They don't make it a priority. But he says, but encouraging one another. In other words, we encourage each other. We stimulate each other to the love of God and to every good work, every good deed. And we encourage one another. This is what we're supposed to do. And if we take on the nature of what it's saying here, it, it literally says it this way, that we need to be proactive in it. Not just, you know, well, I went to church. No, no, no. I'm going to church for a reason. I'm going to church for a purpose. I've got something to do. I play a part. And we need to get that not only as a body, but we need to get that individually inside of us. I'm doing something. When I go there, I'm going to help somebody. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play a part in their life. And, and when they tell me, man, I had a rough day, I'm going to tell them, man, God's got you. He is faithful who promised. He will come through. He will see through. God is working all things together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. He's, he's ordering all of your steps. He's doing it all. God's got a plan. He's working it out. You just submit your heart and your actions to him. And what are we doing? We're encouraging one another. We're encouraging. Man, he came through for me. He'll come through for you. Man, I didn't. I, there was one time I couldn't see uh, the light at the end of the tunnel to save my life. But he was there. But he was there. He'll do it. He'll do it for me. He'll do it for you. That kind of, you know, what are we doing? We're encouraging. Now, is that just supposed to come from the preaching? No. No. That's supposed to be the job, the responsibility that every one of us intentionally take on. And if we don't assemble what it's saying in this verse is if we forsake that, we're forsaking that commandment of God. But then it says this, and you know, the title tonight, As Time Comes to a Close, and it came right here. It says, And all the more as you see the day drawing near. In other words, if we're being obedient to the command of God, should our attendance and gathering together be going down or going up? It should be increasing. And our encouragement to one another, going down or going up? Going up. And so if we're in the last days, man, this ought to be the most encouraging crowd you've ever seen in your life. And it ought not just be here at Boomerang. It ought to be across the church. It ought to be everywhere. I mean, it ought. people ought to walk in here and be so encouraged. I mean, they ought to just, they ought to have a new uh, jump in their step when they walk out of here because we have encouraged them in Christ. We've strengthened them. And you know what? And we need to do it even more. We need to be even more about it, gathering together, encouraging one another, stimulating them to the acts of God's love and every good deed. This is what we should be about. As the time comes to a close, he says, look, this is something you make even more of a priority. Amen? So let's look at Second Peter 
chapter 3. Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. I'm going to read this in the New Living. Um, some of these were, it was easier to see what he was actually saying in the New Living, and it didn't cross uh, the more literal text, but it says this. In Second Peter 3, 9, it says, The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. See, a lot of times, I, you know, it's like, Lord, why are you not doing this? I've seen, let, let me give you an example of this. I have seen uh, where I was praying for certain things that involved people. And then it didn't come in the timing that I thought it needed to come. And what happened was it... Uh, it didn't come in the timing that I wanted it to come because he was extending his patience and mercy to that group of people. Because if they could get on board, he wanted them on board. And so my lack of patience towards that was actually going against the will of God who desired these people to be on board with whatever he was taking them to, his goodness. Well, it's the same way with the earth. You know, I'd like for us just to be done. Let's get on up to heaven sometimes. But the whole reason that we're still hanging out is there's some people that can go, that if we go now, they won't. And God's patient toward them, and he wants them to receive it. So the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. So what we see, we see a world that's just, you know, has become more and more evil, darker and darker. And we're, you know, a lot of times the devil will try to twist your thoughts into the place like, Lord, why are you letting this stuff happen? Well, the Lord is trying, see, we're thinking just in physical life type things, not eternity. If there's somebody that can be saved, if it causes us a little bit more pain in a corrupted world, but somebody can be saved for eternity, trust me, it's worth that. It's worth it. God knows that. And he says, look, I'll, I'll even relieve you from the pain. I'll relieve you from that. Your, your burden will be easy and light if you learn how to operate in spiritual things. You might be in a storm. You might be in persecution. But there's a way in the spirit to operate in easy and light. Learn how to do that. And that way you will be on board with the plan and helping people that I want to save for eternity get saved. And this ought, we ought to be encouraged in that. But we need to learn. We need to grow up in this stuff and not forsake it. Not forsake just, not just the assembling, but part of the assembling is to grow up into a full, body, a full and mature body of Christ. Right? So it says this, He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief, then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire and the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives you should live. 
looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. On that day, and what, what does that mean, hurrying it along? In other words, we should be about the Father's business to help this thing go faster. And if we're just checking a box and we're not being proactive, we're not hurrying it along, we're actually prolonging it. Anybody like me just kind of want to get in the presence of God and it'd be nice just to be there? It'd be nice, right? Well, if we really want that, then let's get about his business. Let's win some souls. Let's... let's uh, stimulate, stimulate one another to the love of God. Let's not just check the box of life, but let's, let's hurry it along by being about his, our Father's business. It says, um, looking forward, verse 12, looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. On that day, he will set the heavens on fire and the elements will melt away in the flames. But we are looking forward to the new heavens and new earth he has promised, a world filled with God's righteousness. And so, dear friends, while you are waiting for these things to happen, make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in his sight. Be about peace and purity and being blameless in his sight. Well, when does he say to do this? As we are looking for those days, as we are waiting. In these last days when it's getting closer, be about peace. Are, are the things that we're doing, are they bringing peace in the lives of others? Are, they, are, they, are we operating as pure? Are we making this our purpose? Are we making this our intention to be peaceful, pure, and blameless? See, again, I think that we want to do those things, but are we actually being proactive and purposing ourselves for those things? Uh, probably not as good as we should. And this is what it's saying. In these times, your priority levels really, if they haven't already, they really need to rise in these things. As the time comes to a close, these are some priorities. While you are waiting for these things to happen, make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in His sight. And remember, our Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. This is what our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you with the wisdom God gave him. So you can see that as time comes to a close, God says, look, make sure you focus on these things. And don't just say, oh yeah, I agree. Don't just amen them in a service. This is basically what he's saying. But be proactive. Be bold and courageous to step into them. Don't just let them pass you by or go over you. But you need to, you need to prioritize these things. James 5, 8. Here's some more priorities. What I really want to do tonight is I want to encourage you. Look at these things that God's told us to do and recognize the time. If ever there was a time to make some of these things a priority, it's now. It's now. And we don't just, this is not just a suggestion. <laughs> these are commands from the Lord. This is the heart of God showing His family 
how they should be, what they should look like. James 5, 8 says, You too be patient. So in those days, be patient. Put on some patience. Put on some patience. Anybody felt the pressure of not being patient in this week or this day or like in the last 30 minutes maybe? <laughs> yeah, It's like, what is it about these days that just pressures us to let lead patience? You know, it's by faith and patience we inherit the promises. You want to inherit the promises? Well, put on faith, but you need to put on patience too. And there's something about these days that, man, we just, our flesh does not want to be patient. The devil does not want us patient. The world doesn't push us towards patience. But we need to learn how to be patient. There's a priority in the last days. So, you too, be patient. Strengthen your hearts. In the New Living, it says, take courage. Strengthen yourself. Well, this, this is, to me, find the promises of God and strengthen yourself in the Word. Strengthen yourself by praying in the Spirit. Strengthen yourself. Strengthen your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is near. Be patient. Strengthen yourself. Grow up in the things of God. Take strength in Him. Be strong. We had that a couple weeks ago. Be strong and very courageous. Strengthen yourself. And let's turn uh, 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 7. First Peter chapter 4 verse 7 says this. The end of all things is near. Therefore, therefore, because the end is near, be of sound judgment and sober spirit. Be of sound judgment and sober spirit. Be of sound judgment. In other words, don't just be moved by every emotion. Be of sober spirit. Don't be, don't be drunk in your emotions. Don't be drunk by the emotions of the world. You know what just happened in this past election? People got drunk on the emotions of all kinds of things. I mean, there was a, there was a plethora. There was just a great number of different emotions that people got swept up in and they were really drunk with that emotion. And this in a time where God says specifically, use sound judgment and a sober spirit. You know, in, in, in being drunk in, in the physical, you, it doesn't take a lot to start feeling the effects of it. But isn't, I know when I used to do that, one of the things was is, if I just felt a little bit, my, the way I would go is, and some people do this, uh, some people have had this or, or still do this, is like if I could get a couple of sips in, a couple of drinks in, that would encourage me to go all in, right? And all of a sudden, that one little sip that started out with just one little, well, I'll just have a little bit, turned into going full out drunk. Well, see, in the world, if we're not wise and we're not using sound judgment, we'll take in one little emotion, and that one little emotion will press us all the way off the cliff. 
and now all of a sudden we're on Facebook completely blowing somebody out of the water instead of building toward unity we're, we're pushing towards division and hatred and anger and all this kind of stuff and, and this is a time the end of all things is near because of this therefore be of sound judgment I think if anything proves that we haven't really focused on this you look at Facebook over the last six months during the end of this election cycle oh my goodness it was nowhere and it says be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer in other words we, we need prayer rising up in us and we don't need to be praying dear Lord put my candidate in dear Lord let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven you see uh, uh, let my party win no it is not about that it's about the will of God being done and we need to make sure that we are operating in sound judgment sober spirit and not drunk with emotion and drunk with feelings it's a time more than ever because the end is near to make sure that we put these things on verse 8 above all again the context still is the end is near and because it is do these things above all verse 8 keep fervent in your love for one another man put on a fervency of love towards each other does this mean that we're you know finding reason to talk about you know one another and am I just talking in the church no I'm not that it should absolutely be there I'm talking about even in the world how many times is it so easy to talk about a co-worker because they're screwing something up right and above all in these last days make sure keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins it covers a multitude of sins I've had so many opportunities to reveal people's sins you know because it's an amazing thing as a pastor you you really dish out love to people and then as soon as they disagree with you then they go another direction but then they, then they have this I don't know, it's like the devil, they, I don't think that they do it on purpose uh, really with a, a, a bad heart, but it's like you'll love on somebody, give them everything, then for some reason they come to a disagreement, generally because they were thinking on something they shouldn't have been thinking on, and then all of a sudden they got to tell everybody the reason, they got to justify their reasoning. And before you know it, I mean, they're just bad-mouthing, a church, a person, everything. Well, a pastor has opportunity. I've, we've had that happen straight for eight years. It happens over and over and over and over again. It's, it's a constant thing. And here it is. Listen, our job as a church is not to say, well, they sure do stink. Our job as a church is to do the same thing like Mo, uh, Noah's sons. Remember, Noah had some sin pop up in his life after the flood. One brother went in there, he saw Noah sitting there, and, and he said, Oh, look at what our dad did, and went and told the two other sons. And he ended up not doing good because of that. But the two other sons did this. They, it says that they would not even look on their father's sin, basically. And they backed up, and they covered that sin. That's what love does. It doesn't expo expose it, even if it's true. 
It doesn't even look at it itself. It doesn't even consider it. It just says, let me cover, cover you. Let me cover you. And that's who we are as a church. That's who we're supposed to be. And you know what? You'll have opportunity to do that. Just, you know, uh, talking recently in multiple examples with different people where they have the same opportunity to do that as we do as a church and as a pastor. And that's what love does. I'm, now, let me just say something to that, though. It is real easy in the flesh to not do that. <laughs> it is real easy to not do that. It's easy to point the finger and not cover the sin, to expose it. Not because you want to do bad, but sometimes that's your only way of defending yourself. And the problem is you become your defender instead of letting God be your defender. See, if God truly is your defender and he truly is your source, you don't have to defend yourself. You don't have to do it. And you understand God will do it. And so you just love covers a multitude of sins. Amen? Amen. In these end times, verse 9, be hospitable to one another without complaint. It didn't say you didn't have something to complain about. It didn't say that you didn't have something that, that you had reason to not be hospitable to them for. In other words, it didn't say that they would make it easy. <laughs> it just said, do this. Be hospitable to one another without complaint. Without complaint. Well, they're always wanting something. That's with complaint. Well, they, they're always taking. They're never, never giving, never supporting. That's complaint. Well, they may do that. But you be hospitable. The Lord will tell you if you need to stop, but you don't have to let everybody know why the Lord told you to stop. <laughs> we'll go to verse 10. All right. Uh, verse 10. As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Everybody has gifts, and in these last days, make sure that you employ those gifts. Verse 11, whoever speaks is to do so, listen to this now, whoever speaks, whoever speaks, now this is not just talking about in church, whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaker, speaking the utterances of God. In other words, if I'm not speaking for God, then I shouldn't be speaking. Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. All of this is keys in the last day. And let me just read this last passage, Romans 13, verse 11 through 14, and kind of charge you. So tonight, not real exciting necessarily, not like a big 
emotional preaching, but just some stuff that we need to maybe some house cleaning, just some stuff to clean our house, our individual house, the temple of God that we call a body and, and the mind. And, and all right, Lord, let me, let me purpose myself to get on top of these things and make sure I do them. If we're heading, as time comes to a close, I should have some priorities. Let's make sure I prioritize. So Romans 13, verse 11 through 14. Do this, knowing the time that it is already the hour for you to awaken from sleep. For now, salvation is nearer to us than when we believe. The night is almost gone and the day is near. Therefore, let us lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. The day is almost gone and the day is, the day is near. Therefore, let us lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave properly as in the day, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity and sensuality, not in strife or jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regards to its lust. Now that's not just talking about sexual lust. That's talking about your flesh will cause you to want to talk about somebody. Your flesh will cause you to say, uh, just be concerned about your comfort. It has many lusts for different things. It can be so many different things. It can be food. Uh, one that you know I've had to get a hold of is like watching movies and stuff like that. I just enjoyed it, but that was my flesh desiring those things all the time. You know, it can be such a different number of things. But get a hold of it. In this time, as time draws to a close, don't put on the flesh, but put on the Spirit of God. Put on the life of God, and let the world see His light through you like it's never been seen before. Amen? Amen? Amen. Father, we just thank you. Thank you that in this time you have not left us without hope, that in this time you have not left us without uh, some instruction. In this time you have not left us without power to carry out what you've called us to do. But Lord, thank you that in this time you have empowered us, you have instructed us, you have shown us what to do, how to do it, and you will back up what you said. And Lord, we just thank you that our lives are empowered by that tonight. Lord, I just ask that each person would be blessed by it, that every person watching, every person listening would be empowered to live according to the Spirit and not according to the flesh. That they would st stimulate one another to the love of God. That they would encourage each other to good deeds. That they would not forsake the gathering of the saints. That they would love and bear one another up. And Lord, that they would not run to expose sin or even speak words that the world would say, but that they would only speak and do what you would say and do. Just like they're speaking for you straight from the throne room. 
Lord, we thank you for that. We praise you for it. And we give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, as